Welcome to Podcasts Into Avernus. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Fans of D&D have been clamoring to hear more about Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus ever since we announced it at D&D Live 2019. To celebrate the launch of this adventure, Daniel Kwan from Asians Represent and Victoria Rogers from the Broadswords put together a group of D&D live play podcasts to create seven one-shot stories, each focusing on the characters racing through different planes of the multiverse, eventually bringing Celestials, searching for Lulu the Holyphant, to the first layer of the Nine Hells of Vernus. By listening to all seven episodes of Podcast Into Avernus, you'll get tons of background information on important NPCs in the adventure and maybe find one or two new live play podcasts you might want to follow. To find out more about these groups and Baldur's Gate Descent Into Avernus, available everywhere September 17th, head to dnd.wizards.com slash PIA or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv slash dnd. Have fun listening to this episode of Podcasts Into Avernus, brought to you by Red Moon Roleplaying and DM'd by Craig Austin, starting at the Astral Plane. Welcome, dear listener, to the sixth episode of this Podcasts of event, helmed by us, your new friends at Red Moon Roleplaying. We are an any award-winning actual play podcast that stays in character and focuses on horror and immersion, and have played a ton of Dungeons & Dragons during our two years active. Going back through our archive, you can hear us play through all of Curse of Strahd, the classic Planescape adventure to Beator and back, as well as the Styes from Ghosts of Saltmarsh. We will also be playing through all of Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, which you can find the first episode of Already Now. Our main cast are Swedish or British, and we are firmly rooted in the communities of both those two great countries. To check out some of our stuff, just search for Red Moon Roleplaying wherever you listen to podcasts, or find us on YouTube or over at redmoonroleplaying.com. With that out of the way, let's go through our virtual table and introduce who is here. First of all, I would like to introduce Craig Austin from Red Moon Roleplaying, coming at you from London, and he is Caradeus on Twitter. What will your role be today? Well, today I shall be leading our brave players through our adventure as the Dungeon Master for this little journey through the plains. Then we have also invited along a few of our friends from the UK and Ireland scene. First off, also from London, is Virginia Page. What will your role be today? Hi, I, I am Virginia. I write, make, develop, and help publish role-playing games, and today I am playing Cage, the lizard folk, uh, otherworldly patron-packed warlock who doesn't know that she has a patron. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how that will play out. Next up is a man who many of you may know from D&D Live and elsewhere, the great Owen Falvey from the amazing Howie Roll podcast, who's coming at us today from lovely Limerick, Ireland. Who are you and who will you be playing? Hi guys, Owen from How We Roll Podcast here. I'll be playing Safadine Thorngage. He goes by Seth and he's a level 10 uh, rogue and arcane trickster. Then finally, there is myself, Matthias Fredriksen, also from Red Moon Roleplaying and located in Tokyo, of all places. I will be playing the war mage Octave, who got kicked out of Camelkeep for some unsanctioned magic experiments and somehow managed to survive our recent playthrough of the styes. 
Today we will be playing a one-shot based off of the upcoming module Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, and our story will be set in the Astral Plane. We are big nostalgia fans at Red Moon Roleplaying, and to get the mood right, we have secured permission from our friends at Beamdog to utilize the soundtracks for Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, created by Michael Honig, and Planescape Torment, created by Mark Morgan. If you haven't done so already, check out the enhanced editions of those classic games and relive some of the greatest D&D adventures ever created. Now then, I think it's time to begin. Craig, the stage is yours, my friend. The Astral Plane, known by some as the Astral Sea, not a place easily explained to those who live in the mundane world, at least. Planar experts generally agree that the astral plane is a plane made from the stuff of thoughts, dreams, something more than that, maybe. It is the place between other places, the place you go to get to those places, and the place where nothing is. Except that is not true at all, for it is not an empty place. But it is a place, they say, where you can find a way to all planes of existence, if you know where to find the correct portals. That said, not too many things are actually native to the astral plane, but there are some things in there. It is, after all, a place of infinite space, infinite time, and perhaps infinite mystery. It is perhaps a place that our adventurers today have not travelled or been to often. It's not easy to go to the astral plane. The more common way is by the powers of magic, especially the powers of astral projection, where an astral version of yourself is created in the astral plane, linked still to your material self by a silvery cord. Mages use this to travel the astral plane, going to places quickly, and when you arrive, your material form follows that cord and actually arrives at that destination. But there are dangers to traveling this way, and it is slow. It is quicker to truly physically go to the astral plane, you could say, and travel via a vessel. Said vessels are not common, mind you, but luckily for you today, you're on one of those vessels. You were all gathered together by the wizard Elmira Rabblefoot, a expert on planar travel who lives in the city of Baldur's Gate in the lower city. She is quite a wealthy individual, and has managed to secure herself a warehouse and research facility dedicated to planar study. You're not entirely sure how, but she has. A vessel she calls an astral skiff. Heavily customised, you noticed when you came into the warehouse. You think these things normally have crews of at least three or four, but she apparently can fly the whole thing by herself with just the assistance of a few iron golems to administer to the great wings. You see, the ship looks like a ship initially, of course, 
but instead of rudders and sails, it has strange wing-like protrusions coming from the left and right side of it. When it wasn't moving, you couldn't see anything between these wings. It almost looks skeletal in a way. But you're assured that that is how these things work. You were told your mission was very simple. When you were hired, a little transportation mission. She needs to collect something and take it somewhere in the astral plane. But there's some danger involved and she would like protection. The psychic emanations, she says, of the ship itself are very difficult to control and require great concentration. Very difficult to be fending off any dangers that might be occurring when you are doing this and flying the ship at the same time. That's where you three come in. You were all reasonably experienced people. That's what she wanted. And you've all been offered a large sum of money. At least 2,000 gold pieces. Which is quite a bit of money. I'm sure you'll agree. You all agreed to go on this mission. It sounded simple, after all. And it wasn't long before you were on board the vessel. A portal was inactivated in this warehouse. Again, quite impressive magic, being able to just open portals on a whim. And being a gnome, you can clearly see a little bit of gnomish invention involved here as well. The portal was opened. The ship moved through. When Elmira sat in a strange throne-like device on the main part of this vessel, which isn't too large a vessel, by the way. 30 feet across, 20 feet wide... Not much bigger than a little passenger vessel, really. A strange magic began to occur. The skeletal wings on either side of the ship were filled with strange purple luminescence. And then, with the golems, on one on the left, one on the right, controlling these wings, the vessel simply lifted up and moved into the portal. Within a few moments, you were in a very different place to the material plane. Before you stretches almost nothing, but not quite nothing. If you were to give it a colour, you'd say it was purple, maybe, or blue, white. A sort of wispy horizon extends almost infinitely in all directions. You feel you can see a difference to the horizon, like there is a line. It's hard to focus on this line, as if if you tilt your head one way, the line follows where you tilt your head. You're not entirely sure what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. The Astral Sea doesn't really consist of a sea, because if you look beneath the boat, there is the same nothing that is above you. But it does seem to suit. The horizon isn't completely empty, though. You can't quite tell how far away, but there are definitely objects, things, really hard to describe at this point, but almost like little islands or bits of debris. There are quite a bit of them, but again, it's hard to discern how far away they are and how close they are. As you're all in this rather strange situation, being taken to... Who knows where at this point? Let us perhaps focus a little more on yourselves. Tell us 
Saf, who do we see when we look at you? So Saf's a small, little portly halfling, just dressed in average clothes, but has a pair of very fancy brogues he's very proud of. Kind of walking around the ship, any bits of oil and stuff he sees, he's very carefully stepping, just getting into the lay of the land on this bizarre ship he's never seen, taking in all of the nothing around him. Fascinated by the iron golems manning the the two wings. Who is this lizard creature we see on board the ship? Cage is, um, she's sitting there, um, interested in the surroundings, but would have got used to them after kind of the first maybe hour or so of the journey and was is given up on trying to figure out what the objects in the distance are or where they are, what direction they're moving in. And instead she's sitting there with um, some carpenter's tools, just whittling away at a piece of bone that she's shaping into a dagger. And then, of course, we have a human wizard. Who is this individual? That would be Octave. He's in his mid-twenties. He's got blonde hair. Dressed in a rather mundane travelling clothes, really. Looks like your average merc. The only giveaway that this is, in fact, a war mage is the rather imposing-looking wand and red metal at his side. He is staring out at the purple nothingness and is trying his very best to uh, prevent people from seeing just how terrified all of this is making him. I'm been to the ethereal plane many times but this is the first time in the astral has, has anyone of you been, been here before i've never been here before but i'm not even sure where here is so i don't see the point in worrying about it too much i'm sure we'll get to wherever we're going soon enough uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're right kashi uh, saf i've heard stories of the place you know old old wives tales stories in your kid wizards talking about being here but Never thought I'd experience it. Nothing like this. I really hope that our uh, employer is good for for that cash. We we certainly need it, right? I mean, for two thousand gold, I'll go to Avernus Hell and back. I mean, how bad can the astral plane be? It's all dreams and thoughts. And how bad can it be here? It looks. It seems pretty boring. It's going to be fine. I'm sure there's there's not anything too terrible that can happen. I know she said it was dangerous, but it's nothing that we can't handle, nothing that we couldn't have handled before. Yeah, and if, who knows, if this job goes well, you know, maybe we get a nice number here, we get more jobs. I mean, this gnome seems to have plenty of gold lying around. You saw her lab. There's a lot of equipment there. Maybe we can keep working for her. Maybe it's a nice cushy number. we get you back to Candlekeep before the end of the year. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do what we are all about, right? Spells for cash, was it? Something like that. Spells for cash, no job too small. That's it. <laughs> it's at this point you hear a slight huff of irritation from Elmira. You know I can hear you all speaking. I'm so glad you have time to be chatting when you should be observing things. And I, I go back to staring out into the nothingness and trying to avoid looking terrified. The ship comes to a sudden... Well, it's hard to say sudden halt. More like it just suddenly was moving, you think, and then suddenly it's not. You do notice those wings go limp again and skeletal. It seems Elmira has stepped out of her strange throne-like contraption. 
which has a weird little headband kind of device she seems to have made herself, and taken it off to observe you all. Elmira Rabblefoot is a typical gnome in terms of looks, shortish, grey hair tied up in a bun, quite an ornate looking robe. Her sense of humour is a little dry, and her eccentricities seem to be more on the quite serious and not very fun side of things. Hmm. We are nearly there. I'm going to take a little break for a few seconds. Now, you have all observed that I have left the emergency devices in this corner of the boat, yes? She comes over and points to six large crates that are next to a bunch of rope. What do you mean emergency devices? What emergencies are we preparing for? I mean, what, what kind of devices? They are explosives. I don't need to explain to you the science behind explosions, I'm sure. But these are here just in case. If they are not needed, don't use them. But it occurs to me I needed to remind you that just in case. We have six of them. Don't waste them. They will pack a bit of a punch. Simply throw them at whatever's needed to be thrown at. Gotcha. What did you expect us to run into that you thought you might need six crates of explosives? An astroplane, my dear, is full of surprises. Not to mention the Denzians who do dwell here are not always pleasant to speak with. But I have spoken with them. That shouldn't be too much of a problem. Hopefully. Possibly. Anyway, we have reached our destination for now. She gestures in front of you, and you see you've suddenly gently floated up to a strange, swirling pool of colour that seems to quite literally be floating in the middle of whatever this realm is made of. This swirling pool of colour, if you were to give it a colour, you would say was spiralling white. She looks at this portal and waits sort of tapping her foot, looking a little impatient. What do you all do? I stare intently at this portal, is it? I'm waiting for what may come out. I'm, I have my fingers on my, my wand, ready to, to throw all the fireballs I have memorized at whatever comes out of it, if if need be. I I walk over towards Almira, and my dagger just kind of playing within my hands, kind of picking my nails with it. Just, so, what exactly... Are we looking for? What is this item you want us to find? We aren't looking for any item. It's going to arrive shortly. Unless the others on the other side have miscalculated. Better not have. I abhor people who miscalculate. When the item arrives, we are to deliver it through a portal to the plane of Yisgard. You are familiar with that plane of existence? No? Seth looks confused, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, Yisgard. You know all about it. No problem. Excellent. Uh, turns to Octave and kind of raises his eyebrows and shrugs. Uh, there's a big tree there, right? Uh... Elmira gives you a very scathing look. Yes, a big tree. My goodness. Don't worry your little heads about it, you free. You are simply here to ensure the package arrives safely. The journey to... The portal I know, anyway, to the plain of Yisgard, take some time. There are some routes. But I am assured it shouldn't be too tricky a journey. It's at this point that something starts to happen near the spiralling white pool of colour. Something 
pops through quite suddenly and begins gently floating towards the ship. The item in question looks something like a strange trunk or case of some kind, but as it sort of seems to adjust to where it is, weird little spindly legs kind of start coming out from the sides as it seems to be trying to find a way of moving itself in the right direction. It's at this point that Elmira says to you, Cage, quick, grab some of the ropes, grab some ropes, just bring it over here, bring it over here. If we can move it in our direction, it will float towards us. There's no gravity here, so don't worry about that. Cage will fuss around looking for some rope and then in the end slightly kind of give up with trying to look for something um, because she doesn't really know where anything is on this ship. I imagine that we haven't been given a full rundown. Um, no. Can I use my thorn whip cantrip just to like whip out and try and grab it and pull it towards us? Oh, you certainly can. I don't think you're going to need to roll because I think you're quite experienced with this cantrip. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> In that case, an easy object floating slowly towards you is quite easy to lasso with your fawn whip that comes from your hand how does that look so she kind of after fussing around for this rope walks over to the deck or slightly lean forward and just kind of throws her hand back and then across out across the um like over the side of the decking towards it um fingers outstretched as this strange slightly blackened thorn vine comes out and just snatches this object and kind of pulls it back in uh, coming from her palm basically and in doing so you easily grasp this strange thing it seems to not mind being grabbed in such a way you see the legs and arms kind of all suddenly retract into each other and you are able to guide this device onto the ship uh, how, how big is this? It is the size of a large travelling suitcase, you'd say. She'll hold it with almost a slight look of uncomfortability that this thing had legs a moment ago and just set it down on the deck. Like, well, there's your package. Excellent. The package stands up on those legs again, moves around a little, and then goes over towards Elmira. Elmira looks at it for a moment. She sort of puts her hand on it and starts muttering something under her breath. Yes? Good? You don't say. Hmm. Well, that's... Well, don't worry. This will be quick. Good, 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 good. She quickly goes over to one of the side barrels on this vessel. You do notice there seem to be quite a few little cubby holes with various little tools and trinkets. Again, you haven't been given a proper rundown. She collects from this area a strange purple translucent emblem but it kind of like moves she kind of takes it in her hand goes over to this case living case and puts it on it it's at this point you notice there are similar looking weird emblems stickers strange things placed upon this case and this weird little purple one sort of settles into an area and then solidifies good that will clear that up she then points towards one of the cubby holes in this case 
walks over to the cubby hole and inserts itself nice and neatly. And then nothing else happens. Elmira looks to you all. Good. The first step has been completed. We have collected the package. I don't need to tell you much, but it pays to give you some information, I suppose. Inside that crate are free celestials. And we are smuggling them through this plane on a very important mission. You don't need to know the mission. It's a need-to-know basis. But let's just say not a good idea for them to be seen out and about. So they will be inside that case at all times. We are simply going to take this package to the next portal, put it through, and they will continue on their way. Any questions? Are these Celestials willing in that confinement? Yes, this is their plan. But there must be someone that's looking to to prevent us from fulfilling our mission. Definitely. But again, we're in the astral plane. If we start moving soon, pursuers should be easy to spot. We don't need to be worrying about who our pursuers are. Can you give us any heads up? Like, It's great and all knowing that they're Celestials, but like, we're not going to be fighting the Celestials. Who are these pursuers? Uh, well, the issue with this sort of business, my dear halfling, is that anyone could be after them. They are Celestials. Any being from the planar universes would quite happily like to kill them, eat them, ransom them, torture them. Let's just say everyone and leave it there, apart from other good beings, I suppose. The important thing is that if we start moving right now, we shouldn't have a problem. Cool. Everyone. Got it. Right. Um, regretting asking the question. Let, maybe let's move? Let's. Don't worry. If they remain in the case, it's not like people will know they're here. We're just travellers moving along, doing our travelling business. She seems very irritated at any questions at all, really, you know, you're noticing. I uh, nod to uh, to Saf and to Kaji. And, all right. Well, first step is done then. So uh, let's be on alert. If anyone's coming, they're coming now. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? It'll be fine. They're in that creepy case dog thing. The the case, the Celestials, they are powerful creatures. Would they not be easily detectable aboard this vessel? Let's just say there are more people involved than you in this little venture. I don't know all of them, but I know my part, and hopefully you understand your part. Yes? Hit anything that tries to take the case? Exactly. Again, with it hidden... To be honest, it's more ourselves we need to worry about. But again, we'll be absolutely fine. You're going to defend me in case anything goes wrong, and I am an expert at these things and have travelled here several times and not normally encountered too much dangers, except for those times I have. With this, she starts getting back into her seat and attaching the strange circlet to her head. When she does, again, she seems to go into this deep trance. The skeletal wings of this vessel again illuminate, filling up with the weird purple luminescence and the vessel begins to move you find after a few minutes you are starting to leave behind this spiralling white portal but anyone if they were watching for a little while could roll me a perception check 13 I rolled an 8 12 he will keep an eye on it for a little while longer but suddenly it's like The ship has moved suddenly to the left or right. You're not quite sure. The portal is gone. And you are, again, travelling through this purple expanse. 
of seeming peace. Time passes. You're not sure how much time, to be honest. Again, it seems very difficult to think of time here. None of you feel tired or hungry, so maybe it's not been that long, but then maybe it's been hours? You do occasionally notice that the things in the distance do seem to be changing positions, but it's hard to tell. Suddenly, you notice something has changed quite dramatically. You seem to be sailing past something very, very large. It's like one minute it wasn't there at all, and now it is. It's almost colossal, in fact. It's hard to describe what it is, though. Is it a mountain? A building? Cage, you start feeling a little strange as you gaze upon this thing. Something inside you feels like you know what this is. Oh, wait, no, you can't know what it is, but it feels very familiar to you. You don't know why, but you suddenly feel this is a creature, but a dead creature. A long, dead, titanic creature. How do you feel, feeling this weird familiarity, but at the same time, lack of familiarity? She finds herself unable to stop staring at this thing, and she can't help, and without really thinking of it, um, she reaches out telepathically towards it, not really realising that she is, but just questioning what are you? You feel nothing but a great void. But a void where once there was something well beyond your understanding. But there's a touch. A touch of familiarity. The sort of feeling maybe you sometimes have felt when you use those powers of yours. But it's not the same thing. It's very similar. Saf and Octave... Cage has just started looking beyond the bow of the ship, staring at this thing in quite a strange manner. How do you two feel about that? I move up to to join her and stare out at this thing. Do I also perceive it as this this living or perhaps dead thing? Do I do I know anything about this or read, have I read anything about it in the the great libraries of Candlekeep during my my many long hours of studies? You are an educated man, it's true. You don't feel anything strange, although your fear does rise a little because if this thing is maybe it was a creature, what sort of creature could it be? It is gigantic. You of course have heard rumors myths and legends that there are beings well beyond the known gods of the multiverse. It is said that sometimes these beings die, or at least enter a state near death. Where do they go? The astral plane is a realm of fort. The forts of mortals and most beings though are nothing. They dissolve into the purple abyss like drops in an ocean. But some things have minds far bigger than oceans. I just marvel at it, and I try to recollect whatever I can, but I, I suppose I come up short, and I just find myself speechless, just staring at it together with my my lizard folk companion. So, um, Seth, having spoke to Almira about the whole situation, and 
having been used to being on the run being a rogue is a little on edge so he's looking up at this um, unknown entity kind of eyeballing Elmira who's in a trance looking back at the emergency boxes and eyes transfixed on the the entity or being is just edging slowly or towards the boxes just not with any intent of using them but just if anything goes sideways or he's just a little on edge with the everyone and anything could be chasing us speech and he wants to be ready dagger down by his side in his hand kind of nervously moving his fingers waiting in anticipation of something happening kind of a sense of dread and yet for a time nothing happens you seem to start going underneath this colossal being you cage looking as closely as you are feel maybe you can sense there is something here there are very far away or very close you're not sure but there do seem to be little strange winged beings sort of flying around on this thing they don't seem hostile at all and again you're not sure but you think they are quite far away you suddenly feel that maybe you aren't actually very close to this colossal thing at all Uh, maybe it's far bigger than you could possibly imagine but you go underneath it and eventually it does seem to get further away how do you feel as you depart, Cage? That feeling starts to leave you of familiarity. She turns to Octave, who's standing next to her, and says, It's strange. It's like I knew the nature of that creature somewhere once. Now it's dead. It's almost sad, isn't it? And she just looks slightly confused and pensive about the whole thing that sense of familiarity and almost that sense of lost that she can't work out how she knows it or and that she didn't get a response telepathically from it um, which somewhere she innately felt like she should have done but it's almost like a, a sadness at not understanding or it's that feeling of almost um like similar to nostalgia when it's just it's just not quite right like, you feel like you should remember it, and you don't. Whatever it was, it was bigger than any one of us. Much, much bigger than I, I don't mean in terms of physical size. It's bigger than any one of us can comprehend, I think. This place... Uh, I really have never felt so out of my element in such deep water before. Yet you seem... you seem almost comfortable. Here. When you look like I do, you learn to be comfortable wherever you are. There are some cities where they won't even let me in through the gates. So you learn to be comfortable. There's nothing scarier here than anything else we've seen before or could see later. We have much to to talk about. I, I realize that we have never really had a deep conversation about, about where we come from. We've just been so focused on on the mission at hand, on getting the getting the rewards. But, uh, yes, I sense that you have a deep understanding of of the universe. Perhaps when this is over, I can share some of the things that I, I picked up during my studies at, at the Great Library. Perhaps. That would be interesting. We could talk about that over all of the mead we could buy with the gold we'll earn. <laughs> I do certainly approve of that. Saf? 
As they've been having their conversation, you, as you said, were being a little more alert on things, looking at the barrels. You've noticed quite quickly you suddenly are now in a slightly busier area, an area of a lot of rocks, bits of trees, buildings. Yes, you're pretty sure the debris now you're sailing through consists of actual buildings, designs some familiar, you think you recognise a thatched roof when you see one, and then some slightly more ancient and strange. But as you're looking at all this, roll me another perception check, please. With a plus four, that is 15. You think for a moment, something was moving behind one of these bits of rubble, some sort of, was it a winged creature? Again, it was really quick, and suddenly then it's gone. You also, at this point, notice the purple seems to be getting darker all of a sudden. It's happening very quickly. The others don't haven't quite noticed it, but something in the air is suddenly coming towards you quite quickly. But the air itself, like, it's coming in a cloud. Again, it's really hard to actually apply proper words to these things because you call it a cloud and it's like more like a mist and you think it's a mist and it's more like an object and you call it an object and it's more like a mist again. What do you do? In a panic, I just turn my head. Guys, we might have company. I immediately turn around, uh, grabbing my wand and start looking towards the direction that Saf has pointed out. Cage will reach for her arcane focus holding on to it in preparation. Ready yourselves. Uh, among the debris, there was something, some some creature. It doesn't feel right. It's getting darker. It is indeed. And you notice that the piece of debris you thought something was behind is actually moving away. In fact, all the debris is starting to move. It's at this point, Elmira suddenly seems to sort of talk. Uh, oh, uh, uh, a psychic storm. Psychic Storm, uh, hold on to something, and, and remember, just focus. F- think, think, think that you're on a ship, and you're fine. Uh, hold on to something, it will be fine, just don't panic, don't panic. Cage will take this moment to let go of her arcane focus, find something to grab onto that physically grounds her to the ship, and will just, keeping her eyes open to see what's happening, focus on the deck beneath her feet, the uh, the rope that she's holding onto the the all of the little details around her that keep somebody grounded in where they are. Saf, what are you doing? So as soon as Elmira starts screaming about a psychic storm, hold on to something. Immediately, you just see this kind of um, a small popping sound and just a mist left behind where Saf was, and I'll misty step into a small cubby hole beside the box. Because I'm a halfling, I can fit into kind of... If it's a small suitcase, it's a staff-sized suitcase. So I'm going to be basically one cubbyhole over with an intent of... I can lock myself in there, feet bracing against the side of the cubbyhole, but also near the box if anything happens. Yes, with Misty Step, this happens instantaneously, and you are suddenly a little cramped, but again, you are a halfling. So still perfectly suddenly inside one of the cubbyholes, feeling quite safe and secure... You hope so. Octave, your action. Is there some kind of uh, railing on the ship? Some uh, Something to prevent us from falling overboard? If there is, I, I will sit down next to that, try to grab on as, as best as I can, and 
I begin whispering prayers to Kossuth, to the Fire Lord, to be ready when I ask for his support. And it seems, thanks to Saf's observation, that you are all able to get somewhere secure and be holding something. The darkness is then everywhere. All light seems to suddenly vanish. You brace yourself, expecting to feel some sort of genuine turbulence or a rocking sensation. But you don't. Instead, you can all hear a strange whispering sound. It's hard to tell at first, but it's sort of like... She did that sort of... Why did you do it to me? Kill them! Kill them! Help me! Help me! You will die! Ah! Like suddenly this cacophony of whispers and noises surrounding you. And it's this that makes you feel the thought of just being overboard, being away, being in the storm. You can all roll me a wisdom saving throw at advantage as you are all doing things that you feel, feel, feel solid. Oh, I'm so glad that I had advantage there. 23? Yeah. And I rolled a 20 straight to a natural 20. If it helps, Cash has got Thought Shield, so she can't have her thoughts read, and she's got resistance to psychic damage. That does help, yes, that's great. And Octave? 25. You all feel this strange force, and it's that force that you feel is the turbulence. It's a strange sensation. You don't feel like you're actually being moved off the ship, but you feel like your mind wants you to move off the ship. However, you all are quite experienced adventurers, and you all are very aware that you want to stay on board. And this feeling seems to wash over you. It's not a pleasant feeling. For a moment or two, you're still not actually aware of anyone else on the ship, or the ship itself. It seems like you are alone in this cacophony of whispering words and strange feelings and darkness. But you, Cage, you hold on, and you are aware of yourself. Saf, you know you're in a very nice type cubbyhole, and there's no way you're going to suddenly tumble out of that. And Octave, you have felt the powers of things trying to influence your mind before. And again, you all hold. It's a strange, unpleasant feeling for a while, and you're not entirely sure how long it lasts. But suddenly, light returns. Vision returns. You're all on the ship, and you're all fine. You're all fine. Your heads all hurt a little, but you are fine. Although you notice, Saf, if you poke out of your cubbyhole, that your surroundings are completely different. You are a completely different debris field. The great being. The place you thought you saw. Uh, someone coming after you. Long gone. Uh, Elmir, what, what was that? Are we safe? Uh, uh, yes, good. Uh, good. She, she, again, sort of is talking to you with her eyes closed, still trying to focus. You see the vessel seems to shake a little back and forth. Yes, uh, uh, psychic storm, common hazard. It's fine, you're, you're all still here. I've heard uh, Saf speaking and I, I look for, uh, to Kaji to see if she's all right. Kaji, you all right? I, I'm, I'm okay, that, that was very strange. I've got the worst headache, oh god. Just a headache? Mm, very good. You should be proud. You could have all been driven mad as your heads explode. If you're overboard, by the way, don't forget you can just float over back. 
so just just keep that in mind. Uh, the ropes are useful, but again, if you have enough mental fortitude, you can literally just will yourself back on board and you will float over, yes? But in this case, you could have been completely utterly stranded. But don't worry, it seems you're all clearly worth the coin. Good work, good work. We're only maybe a few hours now, of course. Ugh, annoying, don't worry, I, I, I think I know a, a route back. A casual look over at uh, Saf and telepathically just... I'm starting to think we should have asked for some more money. Really starting to think we should have asked for some more money. Yeah, I'm beginning to think 2000 is a real cheap rate for this lady. Just So, as we've kind of looked around, kind of dust ourselves off, made sure everything's secured on deck, I'm going to kind of walk over to the other two and say, Guys, I think we've been sold a pup here. I mean, there's a lot more going on than we're being led to believe. And we're being led to believe that the whole world is chasing us. I, I'm not sure what's going on here, but we need to be way more alert and ready for anything. I mean, storms explode your heads wasn't exactly in the job description of adventurers needed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that wasn't part of our job contract, but I suppose it's a hazard of the environment. I suppose it is. It is good that we were able to get past that, and that we were able to keep our minds in control, and we were able to fight back our fear. Uh, we need to do something to disguise that box as well. If there's... I don't know what that crazy legs maneuver thing it was, but... If I was looking for Celestials being smuggled, I think that box with a creepy purple emblem on it is a f the first place I'd look on this ship. We need to try and disguise it, or hide it, or... I mean, I can I can silent image, but that only lasts ten minutes. But even if we just cover it over with some of this these ropes and debris, and maybe lock it in somehow. Sounds like a good idea. Agreed. Yes, they will definitely be coming for that one, and it will be easy to find. How do you do this? You'll notice Elmira hasn't said anything in regards to no to your conversation. The ship does have various little things around it, and of course there is debris nearby. You notice, in fact, now you seem to be in quite a large debris field, almost. Lots of scattered rocks, pebbles, all just sort of floating by you as you seem to now be sort of taking a course straight through said field. I've, I have an idea, guys. I want to try something based on what Almira said. So, as we're going through this, what basically sounds like an asteroid field, is there like a rock, you know, like a 15, 20-pound rock that's floating just above the ship as we're going through it? Yes. Literally, right now, you just notice this above you. So Saf's going to look at the rock and basically just take a second, kind of set his stance and just try and will himself to see if he can basically glide towards it, as Almira said, to try and catch it. You begin to float off your feet and immediately descend above. Roll me an athletics check or a dexterity check. Uh, 22. It's a little disconcerting. You literally suddenly, when you feel you want to leave, are leaving. You feel if you didn't quickly master this, you could suddenly, I don't know, like spiral off into the abyss. But you are calm and you are an acrobatic individual. You kind of focus that. And actually, you kind of land perfectly on this rock that you were aiming for and sort of just connect to it. Is he standing on this little 15 pound rock uh, so it turns out we can will ourselves to glide around this place uh, just just be careful it's a little bit of a 
messes with your head. I took a bit of a wobble there, I thought I was going to fall. But maybe we can gather up some of these rocks and just block up the area to the cage. It, it mightn't stop anyone from getting the box, but it might slow them so we can deal with any issues we have. And I'm going to try and basically propel myself down onto the deck with the rock, just as proof of concept. It's a little strange, but you were able to do this. It's like you and the rock. Again, you can hold it. You want to be on the boat? You do. You don't move very fast. But it seems the ship is still keeping in line with you that you haven't missed it. Like, you catch up quite quickly. And everyone, Saf has just floated in the air, picked up a rock from the debris field, and floated back again. I close my eyes uh, once, and I whisper a silent prayer, and then I open them up again, and I, I try to copy what he has done. I try to also help out to pick up these rocks and to create this wall that we're building. Or Roll me a dexterity check. You also cage if you wish to help. Or athletics. I will go with athletics. 21. 19. You both experience similar things to Saf. It's a little strange at first, but you are masters of your bodies and it's not that difficult actually. You start floating out, picking up rocks and floating back. You take turns making sure you don't leave the ship behind it does seem to be moving still but yes you collect your rocks together and you form a little wall in front of the case the case uh, moves it out a little it looks if you think can look at you it does seem to be looking at what you're doing but it doesn't seem to not want you to do what you're doing and it seems quite happy to be for the moment enclosed in a rocky wall so look guys it might not be of any use to us, but it is handy to know that potentially if we need to get, you know, off this ship or out to safety, if anything happens onto an island, we can do whatever we just did. Fly, I guess? It's also useful to know that that case is sentient to some degree. Seemed to follow orders earlier, so... Yeah, just what's the order of command is the only question. Some more time passes. And you continue to be in this debris field. What are we all doing? Are we keeping eyes out on things? Are we lapsing back into fort? What are we doing? Tell me. Cash is going to be pacing around the deck, being a bit more vigilant now that um, we've had the psychic storm happen. But also, a part of her is still looking out, searching for another one of those strange, colossal, titanic-sized creatures and the little winged things that she thought she saw around it, just out of her own curiosity. But she's she's mostly looking for danger now, now they've actually experienced something. Saf is... So he's realised there's a few hours to go. He's going to sit down just in the corner of the ship and take out a small brass bowl, burn small bit of incense and herbs, and he's going to basically be casting Find Familiar. If he has the time, if something interrupts him, obviously he'll stop, but he's going to try and summon one of his familiars, just to have another set of eyes for any of these winged beasts or potential um, enemies that may be chasing them. Indeed. You do have the time, it seems. The spell is cast, and what familiar do you sub forth? Staff's most trusted familiar he has is um, a wrath, but it's not your ordinary wrath. He, um... He's a skeletal, basically, just a bone skeleton of a rat that he sits up on his shoulder. He gives a bit of cheese that 
he nibbles on and just falls through his ribcage. Yes, this skeletal being, this skeletal rat, emerges in this realm. It seems a little confused. Saf, it's, if it could sniff the air, it's doing the motion. And it, you can, you know you're familiar. You get a sense they're very uncomfortable. Where are they? This is not the usual place they appear in. So I, I just kind of, you know, reassure him, rub his head and pat him. Don't, don't worry, buddy. Look, it's, it's fine. Just, if you see anything, keep your eyes out. Just mind those boxes over there. <laughs> Have some, just have some fun, but we, we need your help. If you see anything or hear anything, you just, just stay near this, uh, this wall here. You'll be safe. And I ask him to kind of stay near the, the box protection fort wall we built. Everyone roll me a perception check, but Cage and Saf, you can roll with advantage as you've done things that are helping you a little more, especially you, Saf. I roll a natural 20. 19. A natural 20 plus 4 also. You're all alert and on guard, and your little rat companion is helpful. You notice movement up ahead. First of all, before you notice that, you do notice you seem to finally be approaching, although it's very far away, you think, or not. Maybe it's really close. More of these coloured pools. Their colours, though, are vastly different to the spiralling white one you saw earlier. There are colours all over the place. You see... Coming from behind one of these large rocks to your left, a vessel. A vessel you notice looks very similar to your own. Granted, it doesn't seem to have iron golems on it or strange mechanical things. This one looks more like maybe the original look of the skiff you're on. There are people on board. You can't quite make them out just yet, but you see it just sort of slowly veering in from the left behind a rock, and you've just noticed it. What do you do? I find myself uh, coming to again from, from having been lost in thought. I was staring out at the at the void around us, thinking about about Candlekeep, about Alston and the Styes, and I just hope he's alive. And then here's a threat. Uh, it's time to be alert again. I point and I, I shout and I, I make noise, but uh, I see that my companions have already spotted it. How far away is this skiff? Distance is really hard to tell. If you were to make a guess, educated, you'd say you'll probably soon be passing it and it would it could potentially block you or come from the left side of the boat. But is that going to happen right away or in a minute? You can't really tell. Uh, can Cash see anybody on this vessel? Because presumably there's people standing on deck just like us. Yes, you can. You think you can make out five figures on board. One sort of in a similar seat to Elmira, and then the other four looking over. They've noticed you, you think. Uh, she will reach out telepathically. She's going to hope, because then she'll know... If they're a lot closer than she thinks, because it's within uh, creatures within thirty feet, so it'll be a good test as well in her mind to see if they're if the distance and the view here is warped. But she'll reach out to one of the ones looking over um, and say, "Greetings. Uh, we bear you no ill will." And see if she gets the feeling that that has touched the mind of one of these creatures on deck. You don't feel anything. Which would then go with your estimate that they are not 
at least within 30 feet just yet. I mean, that's kind of satisfying for her, that she's starting to get a judge of distance here. I I tried to tell them we were friendly, but I think they're too far away. As this is happening, I'm beside the um, cash and Octave. I'm looking just, is there any sort of insignia or flags flying or anything to indicate who this might be? No. It's going to need to be at least maybe a little closer and then you can actually start making out what they look like. But they're still kind of in a weird, like Kaja just confirmed, they're still at least 30 yards away and it's hard to tell the details just yet. You can see they are humanoid looking and they do look, you see them, one or two of them getting armed. Elmira, do you know who these these people are? Mm, what? When? She opens an eye. Where? Who? I point towards the, the approaching ship. The skiff right over there. They look like a threat. Are they a threat? Because I'll unleash hell. Ah. Um. Slightly. Y- y- yes, hang on. Don't worry. We'll do this di- 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 diplomacy. 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 Just you know, let me do the talking. Unless you have a, something clever to say. Maybe don't say anything. She takes off the thing. The ship stops moving at this the other skiff starts coming towards you starts coming much closer again the skiff itself looks very similar to the one you are on minus the gnomish invention of the one you're on this one maybe is how these things normally look the beings on board begin to come into detail they are humanoid individuals but a bit tall quite lanky their skin is sort of greenish grayish they have spiked ears and their faces are quite long they are garbed in rather strange looking armor it's sort of quite severe looking but covered in trinkets jewels gold little daggers little decorations there's not too uniform an approach to these people it seems one of them at the front has a helmet on and you notice has a sword made of pure silver it seems they are coming towards you the one at the front the helmet is nodding the one in the um little chair sort of gets out. You notice, by the way, the one of these ones don't need this weird head contraption that Elmira has. This person seems to be controlling the vessel just fine with nothing other than just sitting in the chair and focusing. The four creatures surrounding the one with the helmet are all getting weapons out. You can hear them chattering among each other. Elmira has dusted herself off and is like, uh, yes, so these are the Gif Yankee. Anyone familiar with the Gif Yankee? I should be familiar with the Gif Yankee. They must surely have been written about in the library. Certainly. Yes, Octave. They are the, well, the race of Gif, forever split between the Gif Yankee and the Gif Zari over ideological ideals. The Gif Zari believing in peace and order in the realms of limbo, and the Gif Yankee believing in conquest and strength dwelling in the astral plane. They are not native to the astral plane, but it is where they have lived, and they are actually one of the only proper people who live in the astral plane. 
their history is long and complicated. You probably can't recall that much right now. But yes, you have heard of these otherworldly beings. They're not normally good. <laughs> Yankee, they're they're evil. There's nothing good that they can want from us. They must be out. They must be out for what we're carrying. Can I fire, Elmira? But fire yet? Like the fact that they're even coming over. Be like I just 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 hold your horses. Right now we have the element of surprise. If these people don't talk, then it might just be best if we start and finish it now. You said you'd spoke with beings here before. Have you met? These gift Yankee, have you discussed anything with them, Elmira? Because by the looks of it, you haven't. I I purchased this vessel from Gif Yankee. How do you think I got it? I didn't steal it. Well, I mean, you think you can? That they are rapidly approaching. Elmira says, "If you're going to do something, then do it now." Then. And I cast Fireball on level five. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, you throw a fireball towards this vessel. Octave marches forward, looks towards this oncoming vessel, and from his hand, casts fireball. A giant, explosive ball of fire propels itself straight towards this vessel, squarely hitting all those on board. As they're all contained, I guess because they're all kind of gearing up and getting ready... After the fireball goes off, can um, Kaja set off Shatter on their deck? You can. This is a surprise round. <laughs> Each creature that's within 10 foot of the sphere needs to make a constitution saving throw. My spell save DC is 16. So you then immediately follow up with an ear-piercing, shattering sound, pointing it directly towards this vessel and filling it with a hideous, cacophonous, sonic wave, if you will, of energy. So, please roll your damages, both of you. Uh, 36. And yours? Uh, 25 for mine. Well, your assault on the ship is extremely effective. The combination of the explosion of fire and the sonic boom seems to completely disperse most of this crew of creatures. Uh, They are burnt... Two of them start floating off into the abyss. The ship rocks at the sudden impact and lists a little to the left. It seems only the individual in the helmet is still present. That point, Seth finishes notching his uh, short bow and is going to fire on the helmed figure on the deck. I rolled a 16 plus 9, so 25 to hit. That hits. I'm assuming my sneak attack, because it's a surprise round applies, right? Yes. 7 for my basic attack and 11 for my sneak attack. You, seeing the perfect assault your two companions have waylaid upon this vessel, aim your short bow and fire. But even with the element of surprise, it kind of just catches this being in the arm. And you notice, as the vessel is slightly on fire, slightly peeling to the left, that this creature does duck down, heavily injured, but still alive. And it just has time as turn order begins to reach for horn and blow it what do you do it is your turns we're not going to roll for initiative because you have waylaid this vessel quite well 
Elmira is very happy. Like, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, finish that one off. Quick, quick, quick. And let's get going. But good work, good work. Just quickly, quickly now. Kill that one. Cage is going to go in with Eldritch Blast because she gets two beams at the level that she's at. So she's going to aim. Uh, I make separate attacks for each of them, but she's going to try and whatever that horn that this thing is reaching for, she wants it over the other side of that ship. <laughs> in that case, roll initiative, Oh, good lord. Uh, two plus five. Seven. Eighteen. Red cage. Nine. Octave, you are first up. I look to Elmira and uh, I I smile and I nod, happy to oblige, I say, as I unleash yet another ball of fire, uh, whispering a prayer to Kossuth to, to burn the skiff out of this, this space we, we find ourselves in, to annihilate it this time properly. Um, and yes, I cast another fireball. Mark that off as you cast your fireball, engulfing the vessel in flame. It is now fully ablaze at two fireballs in a row, and the creature is engulfed in fire. It lets out a piercing wail of anger and hatred, and then the vessel just starts listing to the left, and then collides into one of those bits of debris exploding not dramatically exploding more just a more natural explosion if you will and yes suddenly just like that the moment has passed uh, elmira looks to you free good oh great wonderful yes i mean we could have spoken but <laughs> luckily because of the vessel that's why they didn't ambush us uh, but still i'm very pleased about that they probably would have tried to murder us so well done well done good work good work uh, might be a little bit uh, early to celebrate, though. He did blow that horn, didn't he? Yes, yes, he had got off one blow just before you incinerated him. Yes, well, let's let's get moving, because she looks forward. Our goal is nearby. You don't need to roll a perception check, as you all notice, just a little way, far further than this vessel was. A much larger vessel. This vessel seems to be maybe twice the size of the one you just instantly incinerated. And from this distance, you can make out at least 10 to 20, 30 individuals on board. It's much further away, but you can just about see it entering from the horizon, bearing down upon you. I I'm assuming, um, Almira, this is not a friendly vessel of ours. Uh, no, no. What will have happened is now we've killed their escort or the scout. That's a main barge. Uh, they will... Yes, let's get moving. And she quickly runs back to her seat, puts on her thing, and says, Right, we're nearly there. It's, it's further off. We'll just keep... We start moving now. Keep an eye on it. We have some time. Maybe. Maybe we shouldn't have just blown them up. Hmm. Never mind. Definitely 2,000 gold was not enough for this guy. Definitely not enough, no. Cage will get herself in a position so that she's got good eyes on that ship and will basically just... Um, you can see the kind of blue energy crackling at her fingertips as she's just waiting for that moment that she might have to throw off a shot of one of her spells. Indeed. The vessel begins moving forward, perhaps more rapidly than it's moved before. Hard to tell. For the moment, this other vessel is very, very far away. It's potential They've definitely seen you, because again, in this space, it's easy to see other vessels between the debris. It's at this point, Octave, you notice another keening sound. 
but this isn't coming from the ship. It seems to be coming somewhere to the left of you. I, I immediately move to investigate it. I grip my my wand tightly, and I just pray that that I won't run out of run out of fire. Saf as well. I feel you notice Octave suddenly looking to the left, mm-hmm. and you recognize again somewhere very again a distance from you. That thing you saw before. That, that winged creature, you're, you're sure you can see? Yes, you can, both of you see this winged creature. Again, it seems maybe like 80, 90 feet away, sort of from the rubble, sort of flying from one to the other. And that loud sound definitely came from there. And it's moving towards us? It is not. It is moving away, actually. This thing's moving away. Again, the ship is now bearing down from the south, and it's at this point Elmira remarks, All right, look look to the north. We're nearly there. And you see before you another pool of colour. It's still some way away. It's sort of in the very far distance. This pool of colour is indigo. And the ship you're on is heading towards it. All right, don't worry. We just need to get to that portal over there, throw the thing in, and then we should be able to outrun that ship if we're just careful. We might need to use a portal. As she's speaking, Paige, you notice this. From near the portal's direction, something is approaching. This something is some sort of very weird shape. Like a sort of serpent bottom, maybe? And some arms with crab-like appendages. It's not too big, though, you don't think? Although it is getting bigger, as it seems to be heading in your direction. It won't take you long to all three of you realise that you're kind of in a situation where you have this vessel from one direction, and whatever this thing is coming now in front of you. All just interspersing between this portal you need to get to. What do you do? Does anybody know what that thing is? Do we recognize it? Is it a creature that we are, are aware of? It's something that we've seen in, in, in Toril and Farin? Well, it's getting larger and larger and larger. It is starting to be it must be massive. It's still far away, but if it's looking this big already it is gigantic. You can now see a giant mouth made of teeth, massive teeth. It seems to have a body with armoured scales closing down this weird sort of serpent-like body, but there's also a strange amorphous quality to it. The two massive clawed hands. You think they, when they are near, could probably cleave your boat in two. And a single eye. Nightmarish. Abyssal. It is looking towards you. And suddenly, all of you feel a strange thing occur. As you're sure this thing is holding its gaze upon you. The ship stops. Cage. Your crackling energy dissipates. Octave, you feel suddenly very powerless. Everything stops. Elmira suddenly takes off her thing. What's going? Ah, 
the, 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 the emergency. The emergency supplies, quick, at that thing. Aim at that thing. And I begin running for uh, for these these crates, looking to fling it towards this, this massive thing. I, I, I look at it, though. It doesn't look big enough, but there's nothing else I can do. This thing, what could it be? It defies comprehension, but you can all roll me an arcane check. That's 22. 17. 10, even. Saf, this thing, what the heck? You have not been paid enough for this. You do not think anyone could be paid enough for this, and you start panicking a little. But Cage and Octave, you are in the astral plane. You you know it's said that there's not a lot that lives in the astral plane, not properly. You can't even really live here in some ways. Even the Gif Yankee have to have their children away from this plane because time does not pass here. So you can't actually give birth and raise children here. It simply doesn't work. So they have to have material plane bases where they raise their young and then bring them to the astral plane. But there are things in the astral plane from other sources of life. It is said there are creatures that are simply made for destruction and simply maybe the designs of a mad god go round and destroy things in this plane, keeping it tidy. Although you don't think that's a benevolent reason for doing it. You think these are creatures purely of destruction and evil. Maybe that's what this dreadnought is coming toward you right now. Kazi, whatever that thing is, we we have to destroy it. Or we, we have to try to stop it at least from, from, from tearing the skiff to pieces. Does Cage recognize the, the fact that everything stopped as like an anti an anti-magic effect? Yes. That is definitely what it has to be. You are familiar with this feeling. Currently, you can't access any of your powers, and judging by the looks of the others and the ship, it's all you're all in it. It's not good. We have to blind it. We won't be able to cast anything, not while it's staring at us. And she'll also run over and grab one of the boxes of, of explosive. We need to get out of its sight, and Seth basically goes to hide. I'm going to take cunning action to basically just start along the kind of bric-a-brac and barrels and stuff. Get to the emergency boxes and hide, if possible. And if I'm out of sight, does that mean I'm able to access my abilities? I'm going to let you do this quickly and unfortunately find that no, it doesn't seem to matter if it can't see you, because you quickly summarise it's still looking in your direction. I feel the time has come to roll initiative, everyone. Um, I got a three plus five. So you're five, eight. Three. And Octave. Eighteen. Eighteen for Octave. Eight for Saf. Three for Cage. Octave, it is your turn. This creature seems to move quite quickly. It's not on you yet, but you're not sure how long you have until it is on you. Also, behind, the ship has sped up, but you can't really tell if they still care about you or if they care about this giant beast before them. They do seem, from what you can see on board the ship, they do seem excited at this moment. They don't seem as if they're terrified or treating, at least not yet. We have to stop that, that dreadnought, that huge thing that's coming at us so I I take the emergency 
box that we have, and I, I do my best to to fling it through this space towards it. Um, I'm not really sure how far I will be able to throw it, but then again, gravity isn't really a thing here, so perhaps it can make it as far as it needs to go. So that's what I do. Wonderful. You pick it up. It's not actually that heavy. Where do you throw it? Do you just throw it at it, or do you try and aim? Well, the only real thing that we have seen that sort of stands out as potentially being vulnerable is its eye. Everything else was covered in scales, right? So that seems to be the the most logical course of action. Uh, I really doubt that whatever it is that we have here is going to be big enough to, to destroy it, but we might be able to, if we hit a really soft spot, we might be able to at least irritate it to buy ourselves some time. So, yes, I aim it for this eye that has been staring at us. Very well. You pick up a crate. Roll me a dexterity check. Eight. You pick up the crate and lunge it forward, and it begins floating forwards. But your balance is off, and you are feeling quite not happy. Have you ever felt the power of an anti-magic field before, Octave? How does it feel knowing you can use none of your powers? Uh, it's incredibly frustrating. I I could do this so easily if I just had access to my powers. I could I could burn this thing. Instead, I have to throw crates at it. it. It's humiliating. And I feel entirely inadequate as I fling this box and it doesn't even get close to where it needs to go. However, gravity does not exist here. And it is floating in its direction. It will hit it, but you don't think anywhere near that eye. It surges forwards, crashing through your crate, which then explodes in a sudden burst of green-orange light. It doesn't like it. It does make a loud roar of anger, if it can have anger in that horrific roaring sound, and it surges forwards. It is getting very close. You think soon it will be upon you, but still not quite yet. Saf, your turn. You've seen Octave pick up a crate, throw it. It definitely hit it, but didn't quite get that eye. There's ropes actually attached to these crates, is there? Uh, there's rope nearby you could tie to a crate, if you felt it made it better. But you did see Octave literally just pick one up and throw it. And it did hit it eventually, but the aim was just off. So understanding that like gravity doesn't really apply in the astral plane, I'm going to pick up a rope, tie it to the box, tie it to a bow from my quiver, and try and fire at the eye. Well, you tie it to the arrow. You're a little unsure at first. You're panicking a bit, of course. This is a situation that's becoming quite grim, and you're not entirely sure. Normally, this wouldn't work at all. Like, the bow would not carry a crate. But you fire. Roll your attack. 28. 19 plus 9. And you fire your bow, and to your surprise, here, your arrow does indeed carry the crate along with it. Flying straight, flying true. What's the range of your attack again? My short bow has 80 feet. A moment ago, you're not entirely sure you'd have had the range, but this creature does move quite quickly, and you actually think it is now in the range of that. And you fire, and your crate carries across and goes towards that eye. You see a moment, the eye focusing on you. And it is the stuff of nightmares, Saf. It is like staring into 
a portal of abyssal nightmare makes you shiver and then there's a loud explosion and the thing's eye closes as it sort of lifts up its claws and bellows this sort of sound that mouth by the way gigantic and you're not entirely sure what awaits on the other end but you have hit it in the eye and yes the explosion goes off into this thing's eye closing the eye it is your go catch and suddenly you feel all your energies return instantly and the ship by the way also lights up again and you see elmira rushing to her seat going good good the portal do something keep them off us how many boxes of explosives are left now on the deck? Four. And a pretty big explosion from that, right? If it's made this thing close its eye. Yes. It did help that that arrow was very, very on point. Okay, in which case, a casual... Much as we've got the dreadnought behind us, this thing, as soon as it opens its eye again, it's going to be a problem. So, Cage is going to cast uh, Telekinesis... And she's going to throw her arms out, picking up the rest of the um, explosives on this deck and just hurtle them towards this creature, using her telekinesis to get them on a route to slam into its still closed eye in the hopes that we can permanently damage it. You channel forth your telekinetic powers, finally back in control, and lift all four crates, but... The situation is stressful, and this is a little bit of a manoeuvre. Please roll me an a charisma roll. Okay, so Cage focuses her mind as she throws this forward, thinking back to that strange, dead, colossal creature that she felt the familiarity to as it connects somewhere in her mind as she tries to find something to focus her thoughts on. 16. You are able to channel your thoughts, and you fire Again, gravity helping here. The crates towards the creature. But you feel all four of the... One kind of just suddenly... Just slightly off. Slightly off. Three of them, though, aim towards the face and eye area and cause colossal damage to this creature. It roars in pain. There's agony. And that eye, you can see, is singed shut for now. This unfortunately doesn't, of course, stop it careering towards you. I think I've managed to shut its eye for now. Between the two of us, it shouldn't be able to open it for a bit, at least not without being in a lot of pain. Now is our chance. Next go. Octave, you notice that ship behind you, this astral brig, you suppose you could call it, is closing in, but it does seem to have noticed what you are doing and be heading towards the creature. Now the boat is active again, you are moving again, and you seem to be progressing quickly towards that portal. So it seems like the ship behind us then is, is not moving towards us anymore, but moving towards that... Hmm. But it looked like a Githyanki ship, right? It is indeed. As it starts to slowly come a lot closer, it probably, let's say, in another moment will, would be upon you, but instead it's above you, and you do hear from afar cries in a strange language, very scratchy, very backward sounding in pronunciation and jubilant cries battle cries as this brig is heading towards this creature but yes what do you do i let out fire again 
Surprisingly, this gigantic creature is extremely easy to hit, and you fire your fireball straight into it, roll damage. 31. And your fireball aims true, slashing straight into the creature. What else do you do? There's nothing else that I can do other than thank Kossuth for all the, the help he is giving us here. I must make an offering to the Fire Lord when we get back. And in moments, the creature is upon the vessel. It is so large that it can easily swing at either you or the ship above you, now suddenly almost directly overhead. However, you did blind it. So let us see where its claw goes. In a flurry of activity, this creature's giant crab-like claw sweeps through the air. You're pretty sure, if it wanted, it could have brought it down between the boat and taken the boat out in a hit. But it can't quite see where it's aiming. Its swing goes wide. However, Saf, unfortunately, aren't quite able to avoid it as part of that claw just scoops by you, the very force of it affecting you. It is attacking you, even though it is slightly off-kilter. It will roll with disadvantage. 19, is that a hit? That is indeed of an armor class of 16. Even though its claw is way off and it clearly can't see you, the very size of this thing, the very force, suddenly shoves you back, Saf, and you hit the deck hard. You take 19 damage. 34 hit points left. Then aims its second claw. Again, it seems to be flailing with these claws. It is furious at what has been done to it. It is trying to inflict damage on whatever it can. But the second claw actually caveres upwards, aiming for the large vessel above you. It connects and causes a bit of chaos, but the ship above you is far bigger and more well-equipped than yours. And... While it has damaged it, it's not taking it out. It does list to the side, though. Saf, your turn. You have just been shoved across the deck, thrown actually quite near where the case is. This beast is perhaps beyond you, but up this close you can see those explosions. Bits of it are literally missing. Bits of it are still singeing, and it is also half between fighting you and this other ship. What do you do? So get up from beside the boxes, kind of dust myself off, just infuriate after being hit, extend my hand out um, towards the boxes, run forward, and mimicking a, mimicking a throwing motion, cast Catapult as a level 2 with the box as the weapon, as the projectile. Just a barrel off the deck, a small little half box will be fired, just a regular box. You hit it fully. Again, this thing is so gigantic, you can't miss it. What's so damage? It's 4d8 uh, bludgeoning damage. Roll. 16 damage. My rolls have been horrendous. <laughs> Unfortunately, though you are able to lift your barrel and hurl it with quite significant force at this being, you can't help but notice that against those scales, this mundane object just shatters and doesn't really seem to have affected it much other than they be made it more angry. And then um, Saf is going to kind of continue the motion, so he's going to run forward and do a throwing motion to cast this catapult. He's going to continue running forward and cunning action to hide in amongst the bric-a-brac on deck. 
and you quickly get in cover and at least now are slightly more out of the way of things. This helps. Cage, your go. Can we, from where we are now, that the the, um, other ship has moved up, can we see anything on its deck? It's hard to tell because it's actually above you. Right. You can see below the ship. You can see, by the way, the strike leveled at it has taken off sort of half of the port side and a ballista is suddenly just floating randomly by your ship. It seems to be armed that must be with a few ballistas, you think. But yeah, you can hear lots of commotion on deck and see things happening, but again, from below. Okay, because I'm saying, can, can she see anything that would be like a projectile or an explosive similar to the, what we're using? Not from this angle. Although, you are directly below the boat. You can see its lower regions. Although, it occurs to you that as you are actually at sea, maybe blowing it from below wouldn't actually be that helpful. Maybe it would. You don't quite know. Can I use my my movement then to allow myself to float free of the boat that we're on? Because I've still got telekinesis. It's a concentration spell. So if she can find something on there that's explosive, she'll just smash it against something. Yeah, if you wish to move up, you will float up and suddenly be on the hull of this large vessel above you. And she'll spot the first thing that looks like it might go boom or cause some significant damage. And just using her telekinesis, just smash it against something. If they're using explosives, she'll move the barrels into um, whatever they're using to light them. So you float upwards, leaving your friends in their situation. Again, this massive creature sort of bellowing right in front of you. But you hit the top of the boat above you. You start crawling along quickly and trying to look at the ship. You see before you a large vessel currently with at least 20, 30 of the people you saw earlier running to and fro, armed with blades and trying to arm ballistas. One of them has been knocked away and is floating far away, but you kind of come up just at one. As an individual currently loading it, it does seem to have some ammo that glows with a strange luminescence and yes you're not sure you see any explosives though and you are slightly concerned that any second now you could be seen by these many many people as this guy's loading it then if it's glowing weirdly she's going to kind of pull it away from him and just throw it down into the ship's deck make me an intelligence roll and we'll say this is your attack action 15 you channel your telekinetic energy to sort of rip this ballista off its hinges and sort of shove it across the deck of the ship. And you do so. This causes a good degree of chaos. At least three or four individuals are suddenly flung off the ship and a ballista is down. Both these ballistas were on the right-hand side of the vessel and you've effectively disarmed the right side. You do have time to notice, though, that, of course, there is no gravity here. These individuals spiralling off suddenly start concentrating and gliding back. But this will take time and you have definitely caused some chaos on board the deck of this vessel. You definitely are noticed and several individuals start pointing at you going, She just bears her very like lizard-like maw out them as she's holding onto the side of this vessel. <laughs> Octave, the boat is moving along. It looks like up above, some of those ballista were about to try firing on this being. However, Cage has dramatically descended upwards 
climbed aboard the vessel, psychically thrown one of those blisters across the deck, which has set at least five, seven individuals briefly all over the place into the air, although they are starting to return. They clearly know how to float. What do you do? The gigantic, horrible creature is still very active and flailing its claws all over the place. And you are approaching that portal even quicker. You might almost be there. I'm hoping I can finish it off. I, I unleash a fireball yet again towards the creature, hoping to, to stop it from, from attacking us especially. I do not care much for what happens to this other ship, but I do not wish it to, to rip us to pieces before we reach our portal. So, I unleash a fireball yet again, aiming again against the eye. It does seem to be the weak spot. I'm afraid it passes. The damage will be halved. Then the damage becomes 18. You fire your fireball again, but the commotion of this battle has become a bit much. Not only do you have a ship floating above your head, with sailors falling off it and then falling back on, and this creature sort of in the middle, flailing all over the place, you do not get anywhere near that face or eye. Your blow instead singes one of those giant claws. Again, magic does seem to harm this thing quite effectively. Maybe that's why it has that defense in the first place. You've definitely done something, and it does look very injured, and bits of it are missing, but it's still going. And at this point, it's sort of barrels down near the direction of that fireball. Its eye is not open, but you can see it's trying to squint, and it just flails fully, descending upon your ship and trying its best to aim in your direction, I'm afraid. Does an 18 hit? It will. These claws barrel down upon you. One side of one catches you across the face, sending you sprawling to the deck, similar earlier to Saf. Another one then sort of, as you try and get up, sort of the very gravity of the situation kind of cleaves past you. You've just taken 40 damage. And I scream in pain, of course, uh, and I remain determined though to stop this thing, but I don't know how much more I can take of this and how much more we can take of this. I can only pray that Elmira can get us to the portal quickly now. You feel for a moment as if it's very more was going to try and descend upon you, but that is then sort of blocked as now the ship above you descends quite rapidly, almost coming down straight on your ship, but not quite, because again, this thing is now almost in the middle and it kind of crashes into it a little. The situation is getting quite tense, but again, Elmira sort of shouts, Get, get the case ready! It is your turn, Saf. A giant being is clawing its way across the ship, but you were well hidden, and poor Octave seems to have taken most of the damage. Meanwhile, Cage is above on this vessel above you. What do you do? So with that, I'm going to use Misty Step as a bonus action to get across to the case, and then just start basically... All these rocks that we'd put there kind of start scrambling them away, like pushing them away, frantically trying to get the case loose and pick it up. And... So, from the way Almira is speaking, I'm going to call to her. Uh, where, what are we doing with the case? Am I bringing it to you? What, where are we, what are we doing? The, the colour! The indigo colour! You need to throw it in! So, with that, I pick up the case and I'm going to use the last of my movement action then to run 30 feet back towards the, the portal. 
I'm going to say that you've moved so swiftly and quickly in the time allotted that actually, as you approach the portal, you could try throwing it now. You could wait a little longer to guarantee you get it through, or you could throw it now. 100% in a panic just trying to get what the source of all our problems is out off this ship and out of here. So I'm going to toss it as hard as I can. My little tiny halfling body will throw. And you propel that case forwards. And you do not need to roll because as it moves forwards, again, those legs and arms appear and it seems to sort of try and steer itself. And whoop! It's through. It goes through this indigo plane of colour. You hear L. Myra sort of go, Good! Excellent! What we'll do now is we'll follow through. And you notice the portal suddenly just vanished from existence. Cage. You are above, currently leaning across a vessel filled with gif Yankee pirates. You've bowled over quite a lot of them, but they are starting to assemble again. They are distracted, of course, because there is a gigantic astral dreadnought attacking both your vessels. What do you do? Are any of them coming towards me? They are starting to, but again, your attack was so audacious and surprising that they didn't quite have time to react, but they definitely are reacting now. Again, you can see the people you bowled overboard were injured a little, but they are coming back quite swiftly, floating, if you will. You also, out the corner of your eye, are pretty sure you see a case flying through the air towards a indigo portal of colour that suddenly has vanished. She's not going to worry about the ones running at her just yet, because there's still chaos on the ship. Um, but there is still this huge creature. Um, so she's going to move along that kind of side of the deck that she's on, um, and try to take a strike at it with her Eldritch Blast. Very well. You move a little lower. You're aware, by the way, that you're still keeping pace with the ship below you. You seem to all be moving at the same speed. And yes, fire your Eldritch Blast. Well, I'm going to use my Agonizing Blast invocation as well. So I think I get two beams at this level. So the first one is 19. I'm afraid that as you aim your Eldritch Blasts, you just feel a sudden motion trying to maintain where you are on this ship and the astral blast just goes straight past the first one anyway but you have a second beam I'm gonna guess that a 13 also doesn't hit unfortunately not Octave you have managed to right yourself that second blast almost sent you off the ship you thank your stars that gravity doesn't work the same here because you feel that you were able to will yourself to stay. You're not sure how much longer this can go on for. Quick! Portal! Any portal! Can you see another portal? And I look around, panicked, having just taken this huge hit from this, this creature that was attacking our ship. Uh, do I see another portal that we can steer our ship towards? You do. There is another pool of colour. This one is Amethyst. I point to it and I yell, Elmira, that one there. She doesn't actually look, and you didn't mention the colour. So she simply nods, goes, wonderful, brilliant, puts the thing on, and steers the ship in the direction of that portal. The whole thing lists to the left, and you'll see now you are no longer directly below that vessel above. You're starting to steer away from its direction. What do you do otherwise? You think you're going to be within this portal very soon, but you're still here for at least another 
10-20 seconds and this creature is still above you, what do you do with your turn? Well, and I, if I can do more than I will take this thing out, so I I do what I have done so far, and I unleash yet another fireball. <laughs> That's a hit, roll damage. That is 26. And you hit once again with your fireball, engulfing this thing in flame, this time aiming it straight into that gaping maw. You can feel that that maw has wanted to get to all of you, to consume you. This is what this creature is, a being of consumption. But you have repelled it. It roars in anger as it sort of starts to list away a little. It has been very heavily damaged. You have not killed it. But what do you do with the rest of your go? I just pray that we have made it lose interest in us realizing that hopefully there's easier prey out there. And I just keep pointing towards that portal, hurrying Elmira on to, to get us there. The creature begins to move upwards. It is no longer concerned on your vessel. It does, however, on its way up, tear its arms and try and just bite into the ship above you, chomping down to its deck and smashing through its hull. The ship above you is in trouble, but the crew are all focused now on this being. They begin shouting battle cries, and with their swords, they begin trying to attack this creature. Saf, it is your turn. For the moment, the giant creature above you is distracted, being attacked by a crew of pirates, and you are hurtling towards a amethyst portal. What do you do? Um, I'm just basically. My concern is that we get to this portal after Elmira calling for it, so all I'm going to do is keep trying to push this dreadnought being away from us by firing on it again. Um, and I'm going to cast my last catapult at level 2. So he has to do a saving throw again of 14, dex 14. It passes. It's unfortunately starting... It's a good thing, you feel. It is starting to leave you alone, but it makes it slightly harder to hit. So on a failed throw, I basically just pick up another um, small box, throw it against um, this creature. It still hits, it just doesn't take any damage. <laughs> so the thing just pings off like a little pea shooter um, and floats off into the astral plane. It does indeed. You can't help but feel a little like you haven't pulled your weight in this fight. But you do remember, you were the one who fired the first explosive directly in its eye. It seems explosives or magic are maybe better for dealing with creatures like this than bits of wood. Still, you make this attack, and then you just hold on. Yeah, and then just going to just brace myself um, at the front of the boat, kind of keeping an eye out for anything that may stop us reaching this portal. Indeed. The poor iron golems, you notice, have taken a few scrapes here. You realise one of them actually has lost an arm. But they are still holding the wings and steering, and the vessel is moving. Age. So, she can see the vessel now moving off towards this portal while she's on the deck of this other ship that's just been attacked by this huge creature. So, her thing is like, right, well, they're distracted, the creature's distracted, let's get the hell out of Dodge. So she is going to basically take a run and jump off the edge of the boat, and if she can, she will Eldritch Blast at the creature in the hopes that the momentum will push her towards the boat that the rest of her companions are on. 
Indeed, you do this, launching off the ship just before any individuals reached you, in fact. And you begin wheeling yourself down back to the vessel below. Fire your Eldritch Blast. The first one is definitely going to miss because I rolled three <laughs> without any modifiers. And the second one, 18, which I think is also a miss. It is indeed. However, the goal was to correct momentum. A momentum is created. You fire your Eldritch Blast in front of you. Some of it hitting the ship, some of it skimming the creature, but you definitely rapidly... Maybe because you feel you should be moving rapidly rather than actual forces. Crash back down, not too hard, mind you, into the vessel with the others. And that ends your turn. You see above you, all three... The various members of this crew still surviving. You think you've got one or two, but generally the actions on board the vessel above didn't seem to cause too much damage to the people. But they are descending upon this creature. You see a few of them being sucked straight into that moor. You know not what occurs to them when they are devoured by this being. But you can just see it sort of turn and the ballistas fire as it sort of turns itself to the right-hand side, firing in this creature. And the creature suddenly gives out this mighty abyssal... And you just see it start to come apart. It's very strange. It's not like it's exploding, but more like its very essence has been so stretched that it is suddenly coming to pieces. And you're pretty sure you see a whole bunch of debris, corpses, bits of stuff. Suddenly, you're not quite sure where they're coming from, but something within it seems to suddenly be erupting far more than you'd have figured could have fitted in. It doesn't really matter, though, because within moments, you are suddenly thrust through the amethyst swirling pool of colour. There is a sudden shudder, and then everything you saw a minute ago is gone. You are somewhere else quite different. You take a moment to get up, Cage. Again, you just sort of landed quite roughly and feel very discombobulated that one moment ago you were very much flying off a vessel to another vessel and now you are somewhere dark. Yeah, she'll look up and go, I've really got the worst headache that I have ever had. Where? And then realise that this is not the place she thought it was. (laughs) Hmm. Octave, Saf, what's going on? The battle is over, you feel. You are suddenly somewhere completely different. I try to see what I can see, and I, I see if I can get contact with Elmira. She should know where we are. She knows this kind of plain, plainer travel, it seems. So, yes, Elmira, where are we? Elmira squints a little. For a moment, you see her about to take off the helmet, but she kind of stops and then keeps her eyes closed. I'm not sure. Gravity is an issue again, though. I can't. What, what can you see? What can you see? So as this is happening, Seth is like dusting herself off, looking around. It's like, thank God we're out of that mess, but and I'm just going to look around and see. Like, So we're just seeing all darkness, is this? Hmm. The darkness seems to be clearing, but you are definitely in a place that is stormy. There is lightning in the air. 
the smell of something unpleasant. The clouds are billowing around you. You also suddenly feel a bit weighted. And those injuries you've all occurred suddenly feel a lot more potent. It didn't really occur to you a moment ago that some of those injuries you were suffering, they hurt, but they weren't hurting too badly. You weren't bleeding or anything, not properly. And now you definitely are bleeding. And you definitely feel the weight of the vessel, which doesn't seem quite as wieldy as it was, although it still is aloft thanks to the psychic energies, it seems. That's all you can see where you're standing, but you can start peering down if you wish. Uh, yes, I'm going to walk to the edge and see. Elmire, where have you brought us? What is this storm, this place? We went for... What was the colour of the portal? Amethyst. Amethyst was. Amethyst? Octave, do you join Saf in looking over? He's gone to look over, and Cage, you could also join them. Yeah, Cage will join. Yes, you all peer down across the vessel. You can see very far below ground. Is misshapen, though, as if formed from chaos and destruction. You think you can see a body of water, a river, sort of extending as far as the eye can see. Again, hard to see in this nebulous, cloudiest realm, but from one end to the other end, approaching some sort of maelstrom, some sort of opening, and you see movement. It's hard to tell at first, but it almost looks as if the very ground is moving, and you realise it is not the ground that is moving, but individuals. Thousands of individuals. Various shapes and sizes, some with gigantic leathery wings, others misshapen, misformed. They are everywhere, marching in a formation? Are they- they, they look like they're marching along this river, get, getting into vessels, and heading towards this maelstrom, which is where the river leads. What are your thoughts? Cage will look over at uh, Almira and say, I hope you realise that if we make it back to the material plane alive, we are all going to require a significant pay rise. So Saf is just thinking back everything he's just been through and... Seeing the what looks like hordes of demons, having heard stories, thinking he may not get back to Baldur's Gate and the, what do you think was a not very safe city now seems like a safe haven. He hopes to get back to any any minute now. And Octave falls down to his knees. He he drops the wand, and he finds himself thinking, "I never thought I would miss the styes, but I miss that place." And so, all three of you for a while watch this scene. The only comfort seeming that whatever is going on below you is far more important to them than you are. But what could cause such a great horde of demons to be going somewhere in such a formation? You know, maybe a little of things like the blood war and the war between devils and demons, but this is immense. You hope Elmira knows a way out of this. You're sure she does, and all three of you feel you will be able to get out of this. You will. But for now, we leave you in the abyssal storm, watching the scene unfold. At least you feel 
your mission was a success. That is the end of our part of the story. But you can hear us play through all of Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus with different characters, although the same players, by heading over to redmoonroleplaying.com, searching for us on YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. By the time you listen to this, the first episode will be up. Virginia, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your work? Uh, if you want to hear more of me, you can find me on Twitter at Tabletop Horde. Um, I have a pin tweet up there with my schedule that tells you what channels I'm streaming on um, or playing on and what other projects I'm working on at the moment. And Owen, where can we find you? Hi guys, if you enjoyed Saf, you can hear more of him over on How We Roll Podcast. If you look up howwerollpodcast.com or search us anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us there. You can also reach the show at HWR Podcast on Twitter or myself at How We Roll Own, which is E O G H A N over on Twitter. Excellent. And thank you both for joining this. We would also like to extend a big thanks to Victoria Rogers from the Broadswords and Daniel Kwan from Asians Represent, as well as to Wizards of the Coast for inviting us to join this fantastic project. And thank you, dear listener, for listening all the way here. We hope you have had a good time and wish you the best of luck on your journey through the plains. Because Avernus, Avernus awaits. <laughs> <laughs>